Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed, and today we have with us Mo from Patina Cigars. Uh, as you probably have heard for the last couple of months, Mo is someone that I ran into at the PCA trade show, and I thought to myself, I have not had Mo on the show. And so I was a couple of weeks ago, I reached out to him, and luckily he was available. So let's bring on our guest for today. Mo, how are you? Yeah, hey, good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, like the I, opportunity. Yeah, like I was saying, I know that I saw you at PCA, and and I was uh -huh. like, I've never, had, I've never had Mo on the show. I haven't written a story about patina cigars. And so I was like, I think it's time. <laughs> right, yeah. You were like, this guy seems boring. Let's get him on. Uh, <laughs> put everybody to sleep they're gonna people are gonna start watching the patina episode is melatonin <laughs> no like you know what you're, you're, helping, you're helping me to like round out this this as i call it a season of the show like we've you know like we were talking a little bit before the show went live about what i do and stuff like that and deep cuts yeah. for me has been like a little side project hustle yeah kind of thing where I just really wanted to learn more about the cigar industry during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote right. about it, but you know, everyone lives in their own bubble. And so you don't always mm. get to speak to lots of people until you get into a trade show experience. And uh, yep. pandemic, all the trade shows were getting canceled. All the events were getting canceled. And it was like, this might be a good time to like uh, speak to people one-on-one -on -one in these little zoom type conference calls and, uh, it, let everyone kind of tune in and, and watch it. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to thank you for coming on because I think uh, my, my hope is is that people learn more about you and learn more about Patina, and the next time they kind of see your cigars yeah. in the humidor, they're like a little bit more familiar with you and your story, and hopefully they pick up that cigar and give it a try. Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's an honor to be here. Um, you're providing me a platform to talk about what I'm doing. So thank you uh, for providing that platform uh, and having me on. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Like, like a, you know, I was telling you about your, it was fun because like before people don't get to see like the conversations that happen before we hit the live button. So yeah. Mo asking me about, you know, he was interviewing me basically like where am I, where am I from? How did I get here? Like, what do I, what's the nine to five like and stuff like that. So, you know, like I was telling yeah. you that from, from Durham, which if people know, I know that lots of people are sports people for, so Durham is where Duke <laughs> is. And yet I went to UNC Chapel Hill. So I'm always wary about walking around Durham, like in, in Chapel Hill, Carolina yeah. like attire, because I never want to instigate anything with people. And yet, you know, sometimes I go incognito, like uh, every right. morning I go for a walk, and I actually have a yeah. hat that I put on just to yeah. blend in the area. So, I'm I, 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 is it true that you have to have a passport to go between the two? <laughs> like, there's like a security checkpoint. It, no, you know, it's, it's funny that there's actually like a, a. I know that was a joke, but there's actually like a little scholarship thing that goes on between the two schools where they do bus people. From Duke oh. to UNC and back and forth, uh, I gotcha. think it still goes on, but it's it's a really strange because like the whole area is just like all mixed up because it's like college central. You know, you have right Duke 
you have UNC, you have uh, you have the Wolfpack, you know, you have mm-hmm. NC State in the area. We have Shaw, we have A and T. That's not that far yep. away. So you have a whole bunch of college stuff going on in in like Central well, North Carolina. Wasn't AT A and T one of the first schools to actually get Jordan Brand apparel? I think it was them, the University of Cincinnati, and somebody. And I, I don't know how old you are, Anton. So I, if I'm, but this was probably like late '90s, early 2000s when Jordan actually started sponsoring schools. Uh, but I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, well, no, because I'm not a sports person though. Like, if you ask me about oh. culture, then then I I can all I'm all over it. But like, sports oh, okay, so I, yeah, I'm the opposite. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like Jordan. I'm like Michael Jordan. Like, oh, so no. Mm. So, yeah, but but anyways, I digress. Oh, uh, you know. So it's it's just funny how I think the cigar industry is so big, and yet you know you can be. I've been in it since 2010. And yet you and I have never had like a real long conversation, if at all. Yeah. You know, we, we've known each, we follow each other on Instagram and, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I've seen you on other people's podcasts. I, I've listened to, I know you on the lounge experience. So with Erica and Amy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were on Bears podcast, yeah. stuff like that. So I've kind of followed your story around. And like I said, and then it's like now that the year's kind of letting up a little bit. Um, you know, I was like, yeah, I was like, I think it's time for that me and Mo have a conversation because there's right. there's certain things that I don't know how you feel about the cigar industry, but I feel like most of the conversations kind of start with, you know, talking about straight up product and it jumps right, right in there without getting the story because we kind of assume at a certain point, like everybody knows the story, but then it's yeah. like far away from telling the backstories that not everybody knows that story. So not everybody can connect with the brands. Uh, right. Like they, they think like maybe the, the companies think they can. So I'm always interested in people's backstories because I think that's how we kind of get into wanting to, to buy into certain brands and try different uh-huh. products. So very interested in learning your story within the oh. time that we have today. Okay. Uh, do you, where do you want me to start? So I want you to tell us how did you get into cigars in general? Oh, okay. Uh, so from, I guess we'll start with how Patina came to be. Okay. Does that work? Yeah. Uh, so in 2012, I moved down to Tulsa, Oklahoma for a job. I met my buddy Drew. Two years later, I was moving back to Illinois, uh, and I'm from the Chicago area. So we were like, hey, man, and we smoke cigars every weekend together. And I mean, sometimes multiple times a week, but I wasn't, um, you know, purely as consumers. Right. So now, mind you, this is 2014. So this was a while ago. Um, I can't believe that's eight years ago now. But, you know, uh, so we're like, man, we really want to keep in touch. What's a way that we can keep in touch? So we started a cigar review blog called the Sultans of Smoke. I mean, we were just two nerds that decided that, you know, we were going to do this and still are, still am a nerd, just different evolved nerd, I guess, cigar nerd. Um, So we started uh, 
reviewing cigars and we made a rating system based on Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone movies. So, you know, we start, you know, we get a, start getting a little bit of attention. Um, Famous Smoke, House of Emilio were sending us cigars to review. Uh, uh, Southern Draw, a new brand on the scene at that time, uh, sent us some cigars to review. Black Label Trading, which was new at that time or newer. Um, so we started to kind of connect with these people. And my buddy Drew says, hey, man, why don't we make a cigar with James Brown? And I said, all right, well, what does that mean? And so we end up working with James Brown as he was, and for those that might not, James Brown is the owner of Black Label uh, Trading Cigars. And they had just bought Oveja Negra at that time. So it was like perfect timing, right? He's going into a new factory, extra little business would probably help, you know? So he makes us these two cigars. Uh, for the podcast, and that's kind of how everything started, man. And then from there, it kind of evolved into, God, I'm really sick of the corporate world. Um, I think that you know we, you know, I could do this um, and try to make a go at it. And yeah, so it was it was a big risk at the time because the FDA stuff was in still a limbo. But I was like, if I could get in before any FDA stuff, then it's going to be a lot harder to get in after this, um, which I'm glad, you know, we're still up in the air about the FDA stuff six years later. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we'll figure it out eventually. So, yeah, man, that was kind of like how it all came to be. So, yeah, it started out from a review blog to a podcast. We we're doing a podcast back, and I think we started 2015 on the podcast side. Um, which I still do, although we've been on hiatus recently. Um, so yeah, man, that, that's, that's kind of all what led into it and how it, you know, just with that cigar that we did for, for that. Now, when the, with the, with the review blog that you did, mm -hmm. I'm always curious about ratings and reviews and stuff like that. Um, that was back then like how do you think reviews in the industry have evolved because it seems like probably back then you may have been like one of the few kind of really doing reviews outside yes. of cigar aficionado and, and absolutely like now yeah from what i observe it's like when people want to start you know getting into the media side of the cigar industry they immediately yeah. go into you know wanting to be cigar reviewers and maybe it's for they think they're going to get the notoriety maybe it's for the you can get new product or free product like how do you think that whole review part of the industry has kind of evolved over the years um it it went from you know that's a tough question to answer man and i know for us at that time we were one of the only ones really doing it like you said outside of the big uh, publications. Now, the difference between us and some of these other guys, uh, we were not that ambitious on that stuff. We did it for us. So, you know, we would do cigar reviews while we paired it with protein shakes or like Dr. Pepper or, you know, it was like more about having fun with the cigars. And looking back on it, uh, we had no business really reviewing cigars, to be honest with you, because we we didn't really know 
a lot about you know how to properly review a cigar if you're going to tell somebody to smoke it or not right um in that sense i guess but we didn't know what we didn't know and again there wasn't many people doing it for us to be like oh yeah this is how you got to do it um but i i think the one thing i would say is for, from my perspective whether it's a good review, bad review, whatever somebody thinks, it's, you know, what are you going to do? You, you really have to learn not to get too high or too low or you're going to, you're going to, it's just not healthy. So I'm not really sure how it's evolved. There's just a lot more people doing it. And anybody it feels like that has a camera can set up a YouTube channel or anybody that, can make a website and review cigars, there's no barriers to entry, uh, is I guess my point. And anybody could do it. So uh, my thing is, if you are going to review cigars, take it seriously, understand what you're doing, understanding that the bigger you're following, the more impact you will have on on somebody's livelihood. Um, You know, you might go back to your job, but what you said about that cigar uh could impact somebody right so be fair be honest of course um but sometimes it feels like you know i'll read some of these reviews man and i'm just like holy shit. like wow that's that's brutal <laughs> you know what i mean like and luckily i haven't had one of those yet but i'm sure at some point you know someone's gonna say this cigar so you know it's like this is the best cigar I've ever smoked. This is the worst cigar I've ever. I mean, you go to a cigar shop, everyone's got an opinion, right? So, right. Yeah, and I think uh, you said several things that I think should be touched on, and the fact that you, I know you kind of played down, like you know how I, I guess ready you were to do reviews, and you said that you know mm-hmm. you were pairing it with with different things like protein shakes and stuff like that. And yet, because think, that's how, because that's how we smoked cigars. Right, but I, I was about you to know, say, you know, we reviewed it, yeah, because it makes it more accessible. Because like, not everyone yeah. is going to be sitting there drinking a cigar <laughs> with a bourbon every yeah. day, you know, and not right. everyone's, gonna, you know, not everyone drinks alcohol, and you know, not you know, yeah, there are different times a day like you drink it with coffee, and yet you don't see lots of reviews right now, like with you know, like. You know, I paired this with, you know, this coffee brand and I was, you know, tasted like this and the flavor notes and this is how you don't, you know, there's some people who drink tea. You don't see any tea reviews. You don't see people saying, right. like, I sit, I'm, you know, sit, drinking this cigar with, you know, uh, doing this cigar with uh, green tea or whatever. So I think you, you try to make it more accessible, which I don't see it now. But you also made it a little bit fun to read because you probably never knew what exactly you were all going to pair it with. And I think. No. Lots of reviews now seem very formulaic. You know, it's like you, you kind of ex- know what to expect. And like you said, sometimes, you know, there are certain people who are going to be very hard <laughs> on a cigar oh, just yeah. for of being hard on it. Like no like no cigar is going to get a, above a five star or no cigar is going to get above right. a nine. You know, you have to be at this level. And so I, yeah. think, I think that's the part, I, the, the issue I have with lots of reviews is that. I mean, I can go into reviews. more, but. I'm, you know, that's not, that's just not who, I, I think that if you pay too much attention to that stuff, it's detrimental to you as 
as you're trying to build a brand. Um, whether you get really good reviews or whatever reviews, uh, you got to try to stay even keel, man. And I think that's why I don't really pay as much attention to it as I probably should, to be honest with you. But we don't do this. I don't do these cigars for the reviews. Um, I do them for people to enjoy. And that's what I care about ultimately. Like, that's, that's it. Yeah. I think it's a, a, a shame in the industry that there's no standard to review or rate a cigar. It's like you're, you're kind of, even here in 2022, you're left to kind of come up with your own, you know, your own way of rating a cigar. Therefore, one person's 90 is another person's 89 or another person's right. 93. And right. right now, completely different criteria because I've seen some of the, I've seen some companies like how they rate cigars internally and it makes perfect right. sense to get it written down on paper. Like they have construction issues, you know, is, you know, is the burn even, is the wrapper coming undone at a certain point. Right. That, but not everybody's rating cigars like that. No, um, a lot of it is subjective. Uh, and it was certainly when we were doing it too. I'm not saying I'm, we were any different. I, I would hope as it evolves though, that people do, if you're going to review a cigar, you're feeling on whether it's good or not. And what you're saying, the only way to achieve that formulaic approach that you're talking about is subjectivity would have to be completely taken out of it, I think. And I'm not sure how you take subjectivity out of something that's meant to be consumed. I think it'd be really tough. Even no matter how much you say it's out of my formula, like it's not part of this formula, I think you're still going to be jaded. Because uh, like if if a cigar performs really, really well based on your formula and the things you look for to rate a cigar, but you know that you didn't like it, are you still going to go with that score? Like, if it performed well from all these, like, different technical perspectives? I don't know. That I'm asking. I, You know, I'm not really sure. Yeah, and I don't know, if, like, for example, if you're a media person and, you know, you're looking for sponsorships for your blog or your podcast and somebody sends you a cigar and it's not good, like, are you really going to say that it's it's not good? And, you know, and then if you're on the other side of it, if you're a company and you're like, yep. I want to know your opinion and that opinion doesn't really agree with what, you know, your marketing plans are and such. Are you not going to take it out on that person to say like, OK, next year when they come asking for, you know, sponsorship money or whatever, we're going to, you know, we're going to have our own heart, <laughs> you know, rating oh, yeah, generation. So I think it goes both ways. Hey. A absolutely and that's not just in cigars that's any consumable or you know usable item i don't care if it's cigars alcohol workout supplements clothing i mean it doesn't people are looking to get paid i mean I, I hate to say that but especially in today's world like you said someone is doing a review or whatever i'm pairing it with this coffee i'm using this lighter i'm you know, yeah, you know, I do that for their health. Um, doing it because so. So when 
when, when you decided to go and create your own brand, Patina, um, what, like, what was the biggest challenge that you had to really deal with? It's still dealing with it. And that's just uh, establishing legitimacy, um, establishing that you're for real, that you belong uh, in humidors, not only at a retail level, but also in people's personal humidors. Um, so that is, that's the big thing, man. It's just constantly trying to establish that legitimacy, establish that you're going to be around uh, every year that goes by, obviously, you show that. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the hardest thing is getting people to buy into what you're doing because people don't only smoke cigars for how they, you know, taste. They smoke cigars based on does it represent a part of me? Do I feel good smoking this cigar? Do I feel good buying this cigar uh does it make me feel good when i buy this cigar um i think there's a lot more psychology that goes into it than just the cigar itself and to be honest i wish i would have understood more of that when i started you when you say like the legitimate factor like mm -hmm. obviously i mean before you even get to the consumer part you have to establish that you're legitimate in the eyes of the, the retailer right absolutely yep and like for, for when you speak to retailers and you kind of take into account how it was when you first began and, and now, mm -hmm. like, like what yeah. are some of the objections that they have? Like, do they give you for saying like, <laughs> oh, like when they say like they offer some pushback against just, you know, getting <laughs> our, a try. I'm sure there are plenty of reasons yeah. that, they, you know, that oh, you probably heard it all. So what are some of those? Oh, pretty much. Uh, I mean, there's a multitude of reasons. Some of them are are legitimate some of them are not um yeah you know you could just tell when they're giving you the yeah i don't whatever um but definitely less like you i i'm gonna focus on the positives because i don't you know that's so the positive thing i would say it went from i've never heard of this uh who is this what is this to i've got people coming in and asking for this oh this is that brand i've had people come in and ask about this and i always say that the most powerful sales person in in cigars is the consumer mm -hmm. and so a consumer is going to be more powerful than me or any sales rep in the game because you guys, or consumers, for example, um, speak with their wallets, right? And they're spending money at a retailer versus trying to get money out of a retailer. So that in and of itself uh, puts them in a better position than us, <laughs> if you, you know what I'm saying. So, uh, but our hope is to, by taking money out of the retailer's pockets, we're putting even more back into their pockets when they sell the cigars. And so, um, yeah, man, I think that that is probably the biggest change that I've, that I've seen, especially over the last year. Well, and, and we've talked about this on Deep Cuts a lot this year in particular, how the consumer now 
is willing to try new brands that they're not familiar with. They're willing to go outside of, you know, the, the younger adult cigar smoker is, you know, willing to this kind of smoke everything. <laughs> you know, they don't have like a, they may have a favorite cigar, but they don't have like that one brand and that's all, the only brand they smoke. Whereas like the older right. cigar smoker pretty much has like an established, like I only smoke XYZ brand, you know, my grandfather smoked it, my, you know, his, right. his father smoked it. We all smoke this one brand. It's the only good one in the market. I'm not really interested in all this new stuff. So right. I think that kind of gives you a little bit of an advantage now. Uh, so I think that us in the position like brands like mine already unique position that we could be those brands for people that are beginning their cigar journey now in the middle of their cigar journey. Um, I guess for me, it's just, man, I want to just be a part of a rotation. I don't want anybody to only, there's way too many good cigars out there to only smoke one brand. And if you only smoke one brand, you get burnt out on it. Um, but I think the psychology of the consumer even now is probably different than it was even 10 years ago, let alone 20 or 30 years ago. Um, so that all goes into it. But I think I always tell people, like, I just want to be a part of the rotation, you know, and that that's kind of what you aim for, at least on my end. Uh, so. And I think you're right in that there is a lot more psychology in terms of the consumer and the buying habits than what we think. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately there is, well, there are plenty of books on consumer psychology, but there's none specialized like in the cigar industry. Um, yeah. Uh, everyone makes their assumptions of what they, what the consumer wants and is looking for. And then yes. it kind of gets hard to convince the different levels of the industry, whether it's the, you know, the manufacturing side or the wholesale distributor distributor side or the retailer side it's hard to convince right. them otherwise but you know it's it is a lot of mindset some consumers buy based on reviews some buy based sure. on how a box or the the branding looks you know it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's all over the place and we never take some of that stuff into account right a absolutely a lot of it goes into that uh for sure. I always, you know, I always joke with people that, you know, in the five, almost six years I've been doing this now, uh, I've seen different things kind of come and go. And I always tell people, well, patina could never be cool or like uncool because it was never cool to begin with. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? You can't be like, <laughs> so it's like, you know, we just want to be slow and steady, man. That's it. Slow and steady. And that's okay. Uh, build it, one, you know, one skew, one store, one consumer at a time. And that's, that's what I focus on. Yeah, that reminds me of last night I was watching the, this movie called Torn Hearts. It's about an aging country star who's kind of gone deranged mm -hmm. in a horror movie. And uh, mm -hmm. at one point, the, the two women who were who encountered this deranged country star was like, you know, oh, I think we I think we should leave now. You know, we've we've outstayed our welcome and the, the crazy country stars like, well, you were never welcome to begin with. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's like, uh, 
yeah, I just want to be, I don't know. It's not about like, it's just about creating some really good cigars that somebody could buy anytime for a fair price and enjoy them. Uh, that's what it's about, man. That, that's so you're not going to see much flash from Tina, uh, ever. So, yeah. So where, you know, where are your cigars made at? So cigars are made at Noxa in SLE, Nicaragua American. Um, so, you know, you'll have brands such as uh, CLE, uh, Dapper, Dunbarton, um, Crown Heads is moving some of their production there, both on, you know, the, the Pichardo thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, excited about that. Uh, that's, for those that don't know, that's the Oliva tobacco uh, family. That's kind of their, their factory. Um, who are massive suppliers of tobacco to the entire industry. So it's, man, it, you know, you talk about, or I talked about establishing legitimacy, right? So for a small brand, it's like, how do you go about establishing legitimacy? And part of that is who's your factory? Um, who's your distributor? You know, who are the, the, the brokers that you're using, the reps? I mean, I, I'm trying to be something that like I could grow into versus grow out of and then scramble to find somewhere that fits. So if that makes sense. So everything that, that I've put together so far is completely based on growing into something and being ready for that growth. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to grow every year, um, even through, even though the beginning of the pandemic was really tough for like a brand like mine but found a way through it and uh we continue to grow and so yeah it's pretty cool man and that's thank that's a thank you to everybody that believes and supports patina so it's not like i did it on my own as a people <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> now for you yeah. like you, you have all these different cigar making or producing um countries so mm -hmm. why did you choose Nicaragua for yours? Um, so when it comes to my personal preferences, that fit more of what I like. Uh, and additionally, that's where I felt like I had the most contacts mm -hmm. uh, at that time. So I could get a better, how do I say it? More access, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, I'm just curious because, like, you know, it's always interesting to hear why people choose Nicaragua, say, over Dominican Republic or Honduras. It's like everyone has their own preference. Um, and oh, yeah. I mean, now if you're talking about political stability, I should have gone to the Dominican. <laughs> uh, because, because, yeah, I mean, Honduras and Nicaragua aren't exactly... Um, you know, pillars of, of stability. So that, that makes things a little interesting, but other than that. Yeah, do you, I, I guess when you, when you talk about the political stability of Nicaragua, I know that, I know on, on for example, on a half wheel a couple of weeks ago, there's this whole mm -hmm. big thing about, you know, Nicaragua's, you know, 
is the U.S. considering like a ban on Nicaraguan products? Could that mm-hmm. hit the, the cigar industry? Do you really do you, as a cigar maker who operates or has cigars coming out of Nicaragua? Do you have any concern about stuff like that? Or do you kind of think it's, it's one of those like, do we really have to worry about that right now? I, I don't know if you necessarily have to worry about that in particular, but I think I think political instability is always in the back of your mind a little bit mm-hmm. uh, to a certain degree. Um, and, and even not just political stability or instability, but also like economic. Um, you know, even in the U.S., we're kind of like in this midst of a slowdown and, and we're going to see what what happens but i think a lot of that will change the dynamics of a lot of different things uh so that stuff is always there uh it's not just like we're gonna throw some tobacco together slap a band on it put it in a couple boxes and then you know send it like there's a lot of thought that goes into like how are we going to strategically do this in a way that will have minimal disruptions and also like be able to be sustainable right and and get through different cycles of not only politics but also regulatory and also uh economic from a consumerism perspective now for for you when you're getting back to your product what makes a good what makes a cigar good in your opinion because I know that you ask that question and everybody has their own thing. For some people, it's, it's flavor stuff. For some people, it's construction stuff. So what what makes a cigar good for you? If I'm consuming who I'm with. And, and you know, uh, and that's a big part of it, right? Who, I, who I'm smoking with. Uh, but from when you're, lo- when you're looking at it from, like, the side of making cigars, I think it's... For me, um, consistency is probably consistency and a flavor profile that could be replicated over and over. Uh, And I always talk about this too, is I try to use tobaccos in my cigars that I know are readily available to my factory that I use. And that way I could have a better chance of achieving consistency in the cigars because I think Ultimately, like if I go to McDonald's in Chicago or Durham or Raleigh or Atlanta or Phoenix, that quarter pound with cheese is probably going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what man I'm trying to go for is like consistency and flavor, uh, flavor over power for sure. Is is consistency really easy to achieve in the cigar industry, or is it? A lot harder than what people think because you oh, know of course like, you're gonna have the yeah the variations and the crop and, and mm-hmm. from year to year and um but again when you're at a a, a bigger factory that has a lot of tobacco that's kind of advantageous because they have tobacco for years in advance so it's uh that helps too so when it came time to create that first patina cigar, mm-hmm. what was that process like? Because I can imagine it being both exciting because you're like, yay, this is going to be the first thing. It's going to be like our first, you know, to do, big to do. Yeah. And then and then it's like the task of actually 
putting it together is probably a little bit daunting. So what was that process like for you? Yeah, so in a lot, some people that are watching might know this already, but so for the first year and change, Patina was made at Casa Favilli at the Mombacho Cigars Factory. Mm-hmm. So I was working with Claudio at that time. Um, and so Claudio was a guy that obviously came from Davidoff, worked with Henke Kellner. And, and uh, so that was a pretty cool, um, you know, experience. But, you know, Claudio was, you know, we were like, Claudio, like, I didn't want to do a Connecticut. But then, like, when you're looking at, even though most people will tell you they smoke, oh, man, I'm a Maduro guy or I'm a whatever guy or you know, woman or whatever. Um, but what you find is that people mostly smoke milder cigars, regardless of what people might make you think. So I knew that a Kinet- a good Connecticut was going to be key as a as a cornerstone of building a brand that was gonna that was gonna be able to withstand the test of time. So yeah, it was like. And that was right at the beginning when a lot of people were going for more flavorful Connecticut. So got in right at the right time of that kind of switch, if you will, in, in consumer preference in Connecticut. So I think we were able to nail that and got lucky on timing that it kind of was where the, the industry was going with that. And um, what, what was the name of that first cigar that, or that you came up with? Just Patina, Connecticut, and then Patina Albano. I think that's cool too, because I'm always curious about the naming. Because you see some some companies yeah, real creative, really, really cre- yeah. you know, really off the wall with yeah. the naming, and then others are straightforward. Yeah. And I think probably you're probably ahead of your time because I think consumers now just want to know, you know, this like give it to me and tell me what it is. Like I don't need a, a cutesy name for the cigar. Per se, yeah, no, yeah, you know, I just want to know, like you said, if it's a Connecticut, is a Maduro, let that be in the name, let them hurry up and 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 get in the human court and get that, and they don't have to do their research to saying, like, let me look up what this, yeah. you know, is. So, so man, I look at I look at the guys that have been doing this for much longer than I have, and you try to learn, uh. I think if you have an ego, it hurts you in anything, not just cigars or whatever, but anything. Um, so for me, man, I'm looking at what are the guys doing that have been doing this for a really long time? How do they do things? What types of, like, how have they built their brand? Because my goal is not for Mo to be selling cigars. Patina should be selling the cigars. And I should be supporting Patina if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like that's why on all the bands, on all of the cigars, first and foremost, they say Patina. They're all the same band. Um, and that, that to me makes the most sense because that's your brand, right? And whatever the cigar is, is secondary to your brand. So if Patina builds a, a good reputation, then it doesn't matter what it's called because it's a Patina. So that's kind of how I, I look at it. When, when you say you look, you know, kind of at what other brands are doing, like do you look mm-hmm. outside of the art industry as well for kind of inspiration, or do or do you kind of just uh, kind of want to see what you know other companies similar to yours and similar to cigars are are doing? Um. Yeah. No. Both. 
Yeah, in and out of. I mean, there there are so many like legendary people in the cigar industry, so you don't even have to look out of the cigar industry. But right. of course, you know, outside of the cigar industry too. Um, I'm always curious about people when they're first starting out a company, like some of the mistakes that they make, because we don't talk about mm -hmm. mistakes. We only talk about, you know, the successes and then it makes it look like, you know, uh, you know, that like it makes you mad yeah. you're from the outside and you see somebody and they say, you know, you need to see that success stuff, success after success after success. And yet there's probably a whole bunch of failures. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, right. And there's all these failures in between yeah. that never get talked about, get swept under the rug. So for you, when you look yeah. back at stuff, you know, we'll talk about the positive stuff as well. But, you know, when you yeah. look back at, at, like, what did you learn from some of the failures that you made? Heck yeah, man. Absolutely. So first and foremost, uh, I probably would have been a Connecticut and a Maduro to start out instead of Connecticut and Habano. That's one thing. I would have spent more time understanding consumer behavior and consumer purchasing patterns before uh, much earlier than I did, than I did, right? Um, I wasn't a salesperson. I was an accountant and a commodity guy uh, before Patina. So it wasn't like I was involved in sales or marketing or anything like that. Um, I should have gotten more experience with that kind of stuff. And I don't know, man. I mean, tons of mistakes. God, I, I, yeah, I'm sure there's there's a bunch of other ones, but those are the first two that kind of come to my mind. Like big picture mistakes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I guess when it comes to like learning how you know about the consumer behavior stuff, like where do you go for that kind of information though? Because like, mm. it's not the a lot observation, of right? observation being open to what people are telling you like for me um it's trying to take away the nose that i get from retailers for example like little things that you might add throughout time like uh skews barcodes um shelf friendly boxes we're adding secondary bands to all of the cigars because that was some feedback that we're getting like, hey man, you have four lines now. The Habano sometimes, even though it has a skew on it and a whatever, but still sometimes the Habano and the Maduro could be, and then sometimes the Connecticut and the Habano could look. And so I was like, okay, we need to address this because I've heard it from enough people. And so uh, we're going to start putting Bovida bag, uh, bags in every box now too. So teaming up with them. Uh, just little things like that where you're listening to what people are telling you you're not above getting better and i mean really the skews and stuff probably should have been something right off the bat if i can go back and do it all over that would have been because you're making it easier for the retailer right and the easier you can make it for the retailer the more you help yourself for them to give you a shot uh but yeah man it's just listening and learning that's really what it's about and observation and learning as well and I found that in, in lots of businesses, the more simpler you can make the whole business, either the processes or, you know, the product, then the better. And yet we always want to yeah. complicate want things to be, you know, high, high level. It's almost like the more complicated it is, the better we think it, it turns out to be, which is not. So no, no, usually product, not. Right. The simple yeah. Product, yeah. approach. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So, like, this is an Oprah type question, but what did you have? An Oprah? Yeah, I'd say this is like an Oprah. Like, is, type it, is, it, uh, is it Winfrey? <laughs> So, right. Yeah, Oprah is a Winfrey. This right. is like an Oprah, okay. an Oprah Winfrey type question. I'm going to ask you, but right. what, like, what's something that you've had to learn in order to become better at what you do? Be more aggressive. Oh, like, in, in what way? Uh, believe in yourself more. Be more aggressive. Believe in what you're doing. Um, not waiting for people to accept you, just mm -hmm. showing them why they should accept you. I think that's and why. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think that's like really interesting to to say that because we we never think you know we never want to admit sometimes that we're gonna that we need to be aggressive. And yet we oh, always yeah. to need to be a little bit more pushy than what we. Yeah, man. I mean. Absolutely. Like I took the risk to start this thing and then I want to get scared about asking people to carry it or like telling people why they should carry it. That's just silly, you know, and it took me a long time to be more confident. Like, man, you should have these cigars in your humidor. This is why these are good to have in your humidor. This is why you should smoke Patina and just because again, and it goes back to keep saying even keeled because you're going to meet one person that doesn't like your cigar, the next person, your cigar is the best thing in the world. And learning to drown all of that out allows you to remember what it took to even start, why you did it, and why you believe there's a place for it. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that there is a place for patina in everybody's rotation, everybody's humidor, whether retailer or consumer. I truly believe that because the cigars are they're unique and they're smoke at any time of the day type of cigars. Any one of them, all four of them. So, so off of that question, how do you personally mm -hmm. deal with rejection or hearing a no? Because that's another hang up with a lot of business entrepreneur type people. They say they're okay with no's, and then they they get faced with the no, and sometimes it yeah couple of days or uh, how do you deal with it in your life uh okay so that's evolved over time again uh it's like a callus from the gym you know what i mean when you first start working out your hands get out and then after a while uh but for me it's just like okay uh there's other retailers or, or whatever but Ultimately, I can tell you some of my best retailers today told me no for a year, two years, three years in some instances, and today they're some of my best customers. So there's a no of get the heck out of my store. I want nothing to do with you. Your cigars are terrible. There's no place for them. You're a joke, whatever, <laughs> okay? But then there's a no that where the door is still open. And luckily, I don't get any of those types of no's. But even if somebody tells you no today, it doesn't mean it's a no always. And part of that is respecting yourself, respecting the, the retailer and what they've told you. And not, you know, somebody says no to you, it's like, okay, what are you gonna get mad? You're gonna go bad mouth them and stuff like that. In a year, they might say, yeah, 
and they might go deep. I just opened a retailer this week that I've been trying to get into for four years. Wow. Four years. And imagine if I went out and I'm like talking crap about these people because they said no to me. Mm -hmm. Doesn't work that way. Or I got down and out about myself. So you got to always believe in yourself through the nose and understand that that's just a part of it. You know, that's just a part of it, man. And you can't let it deter you too much. And it sounds like it, it requires learning a little bit of patience and knowing that. Yes, which a lot of people, you just hit it on the head. If you do not have patience, you cannot handle no. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> so be patient. It's okay. It takes time sometimes, you know. Now, I, I know from the, um, you have a new cigar or newish cigar that you are promoting, which is the Sumatra. Yeah. Can you tell us about that and give us a little background yeah. information on it? Tell us how it sure. what inspired it. Like, give us all the sure. details. Okay. So here comes the boringness. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so how it started was, okay, so the way I look at the market is what are your major wrappers? Connecticut, some sort of Maduro, a medium, whether that's a Corojo, Habano, whatever. Although some guys will use Habano for very strong cigars. Depends which way you want to go. And for me, that next natural evolution was a, a Sumatra. And like for me, it was always like, okay, who does Sumatra really well? You know, so you smoke some of those, you kind of get an idea of, of where you, where you think you could fit, but keep your brand's profile within that. And so that's kind of like how I started that journey with the Sumatra. And then initially, uh, it was going to be a store exclusive, uh, for, for one of my customers who then decided uh, not to do it. And so I, we tweaked it from there a bit and that's what we got today. And so it's a, a Skiro Sumatra from Ecuador with a Connecticut broadleaf binder and fillers from the U S and Nicaragua. So, um, it's, it's pretty good cigar. First double banded cigar too for patina. Wow. Uh, and, and so when people saw those double bands at the show, they're like, dude, you got to do all of your cigars like this. And I heard it from enough people to where we did it. So uh, in the near future, all patinas will be double banded. And then uh, we have the five-year anniversary, even though it's going to be the sixth year when it comes out. But, you know, mm -hmm. supply chain, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I think it's regular in the cigar industry. There's, there's companies, you know, I know Espinosa, yeah. for example, celebrating – all their 10th anniversary stuff is coming out and yet this year is their mm -hmm. 11th anniversary. So that's normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're a year behind, but it's okay. Uh, so I'm excited about that cigar. There'll be uh, 500 boxes of that 10 count. So 5,000 total. And that'll be a Connecticut raw beef. Wow. And then like, what are your other kind of regular cigars that you have in your portfolio? The Connecticut Habano and the Maduro, all awesome. fancily named. Yeah, <laughs> hard to remember. And you said that they're they're good for kind of like even the cigar smoker who might be just starting out and not so much the, you know, 
you don't have to be the aficionado to enjoy the patina. What we found, what we found in retailers across the board is a universal nature of the cigars that they could give them to people that are just starting getting into cigars as well as people that have been smoking for 30 years, 40 years. Um, there is an ease to the way the cigars smoke that is approachable for everybody, no matter how long they've been smoking cigars. And like that to me is what we shoot for, uh, whether it's the Maduro, Sumatra, Connecticut, you can literally smoke any of those cigars at any time of the day and be fine and smoke another cigar right after it and you'll be able to taste that cigar. That's always the goal is to leave your palate wanting more, not burnt out. You know, that, that's kind of how I look at it. Awesome. At this point in the show, I usually ask the guests the same questions um, from show to show. So these are kind of... Mm-hmm get the uh, rapid fire questions, but you can answer them mm-hmm. however you like. The first of those questions okay. is your, what is your why? Like what motivates you to do what you do? Uh, nothing in the world brings people together like cigars and being a part of that is the greatest feeling in the world. When I see a group of people sitting around and there's some of them are smoking patina, all of them are smoking patina, you have Uh, You're a part of bringing people closer together, and the world needs more of that. People need to be closer. They need to get out and get to know each other and uh, not sit behind keyboards or whatever and, and, uh, you know, spew whatever. Get out there, know each other. Cigars are a great medium for that, Um, and that's, that's the best part about it, man. No doubt about it. You can go to a cigar shop. Doesn't matter if you're a CEO, uh, a police officer, a you know, uh, public works employee, whatever. Doesn't matter. This thing is the greatest equalizer ever, and to be a part of that is a great feeling. That's the why. That's a good why. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think so. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. Great feeling. Um. Someone comes to you and they say they have an idea for a business. It might not necessarily be a cigar or tobacco related business, but right. they know that you've kind of gone out and kind of done this on your own and you have yep. the experience. What advice do you have for like the new business, you know, kind of entrepreneur type who wants to get out there and, and do something on their own? How should they approach getting started? Um. If you're not willing to sacrifice stability, then don't even start. Because one of the first things that will go will be stability. Stability with your free time, stability with your time in general, uh, financial stability, all of it. Because you've now made a commitment to where a lot of the things that were guaranteed uh, are no longer guaranteed. So I think that would be the first thing I'd say. And the second thing I would say would be don't let your own fears stop you. If you believe in it, go for it. And if you fail, it's okay. I mean, honestly, I, I think too many people are scared of failure. You will, it's going to be hard to be successful if you're scared to fail. And I don't care. That's anything. Awesome. Um, 
I know a lot of people in the cigar industry love a good collaboration. If mm -hmm. at any point you wanted to collaborate with, um, if you had the opportunity, I should say, to collaborate with anybody or any company or other brand in the industry, who would that, you know, big collaboration be and, and what kind of, you know, what would you hope will come out of that collaboration? Uh, it would be Nelson Alfonso from, uh, you know, Selected Tobaccos, Byron and Adave. Now, he is uh, one of the most accomplished, humble people I've met, not only in the cigar industry, but in any industry for the level of success that he's achieved. And for, I don't know how many people even know who he is, but um, that would definitely be the guy for me. Um, and the type of collaboration, I, you know, I'm not sure, um, but just something elegant, something, uh, you know, with, with, he ages a lot of his tobacco for a long time. So, you know, that would be pretty cool. Awesome. Now, for those people who are not watching this, they may be listening to just the audio version. Can you tell people what website they need to go to, what social media, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah. Yeah, uh, TinaCigars.com is our website. I think 90 to 95% of the hits that we get on the website are straight to the store locator page. So we have that on there. So that's that's always makes me laugh, which is pretty cool. Uh, uh, on Instagram, we're at Patina Cigars. And, um, you know, I run that. So if you have any questions or whatever, feel free to uh, you know, try to be as transparent as possible, man. I mean, you know, we we build through connection. And mm -hmm. so I'm always trying to connect with people. And uh, when people post Patina and I see it, I try to repost it and, and, you know, tell them how appreciative I am. Because, again, without the people, nobody works for free. Nobody gets their paycheck for just sitting. I mean... So, you know, for people to say, hey, your product is worth the money that I make, uh, I really appreciate that. So I try to be as accessible as possible and, and all that. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming on today. And, uh, no, man, my... thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, like I said, thank like I, I really wanted to learn more about Patina and, and get to speak to you. I tell people. Usually when I see people like you is at a trade show and there's mm -hmm. like a line of, of retailers. So it's like, we can't have a real conversation. And then yeah. there's always plans what, after the show. What do you mean? People like me? I'm saying like, when the no, I'm kidding. I'm messing with you, man. Don't start the drama. Don't bring it. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no. Mm -hmm. But but yeah but but thank you for for coming on and like I said and answering all the questions and uh, I would love to have you back on at some point. Oh, I, it would be an honor. So now that we got all the, the basic information, we can do some deep dives into some other parts of the industry and and uh, cigars because I think a lot of people and I found this is that there's a lot of people who say they know a lot about cigars and the industry but they don't really know. <laughs> there's a lot of untapped information and unshared information so i'm hoping that you know we can have conversations uh just about the industry and help people understand what it's all about and it's not you know we 
smoke a cigar and we don't really give thought to how all the work that goes into like creating that one cigar and it's not uh, uh you're you're talking you know some of the most unsung people in the entire industry unfortunately are people that you know normal consumers are never going to get to meet and whether that's the roller or you know sorter at at the factory level to the production manager to the master blenders mm-hmm. um there's so many people that deserve a lot of praise for for what they do and um you know that without those people there there are no cigars and a lot of those people work every day through the pandemic there was no working from home there was no uh whatever so those people are really the ones in that that really make this all possible so you know a lot of credit goes to them definitely well like i said thank you again for coming on yeah and thank, thank you sir and thank everyone for watching if you're watching on facebook youtube or twitter just make sure you hit that like or subscribe button and if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms like apple Podcasts or spotify or iHeartRadio. Um, Just make sure you subscribe and also leave a review. As I always say, uh, you can say something that you liked about the show. You can say something that you don't like about the show. It's not going to hurt my feelings either way. um, There's always room for improvement. So um, just leave a review. Uh, I would appreciate it. Um, If you missed any of this episode or the other 114 episodes that came before it, you could catch up on deepcutslive.com or on YouTube. just go to youtube.com slash deep cuts live and you'll find all the episodes and videos there. And uh, that's it for today. And until next time.